latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Schimpoli, News Director at APPA. Our guest on this episode is Adrian Lotto, Senior Vice President of Grid Security, Technical and Operations Services at APPA. Adrian is joining us to discuss physical security for the grid in the wake of a recent attack on a substation in North Carolina. Adrian, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Morning. Sure thing. Good morning. Um, so, Adrian, get our conversation started. Um, in the wake of this recent event in North Carolina, physical grid security is, is is no doubt top of mind for a lot of utilities across the country. So, um, the first question I have for you is, what are some of the practical short-term steps that utilities can take to ensure that their physical grid security systems are robust? Thanks, Paul. So, totally agree. Grid security is at the top of mind right now across the nation um, as a result of the unfortunate events that occurred in North Carolina. Utilities should definitely take a risk-based approach uh, to examine their footprint and understand um, where their risks lie and what can be done to improve them. So, um, most utilities are familiar with support team, um, and support team doesn't apply to all utilities. It only applies to a certain certain category of utilities. But as you just said, um, there are short-term steps that utilities can take across the board. Um, and that those include taking a look at what I would call critical sites and layered defenses, right? So understanding first, what are your critical sites? As I said, potentially conducting a risk assessment and then examining different layered defenses. So perhaps things like perimeter security, right? We always use the phrase gun gates and guards. Um, but we're, we we need to be practical and know that that can't happen across the grid, right? Um, frankly, it's too expensive, and sometimes there it's in remote places. So taking a look at things like access control, uh, lighting, uh, cameras, and remote monitoring, potentially intrusion detection, and then hardening the ability to get to the sites um, as well as your entry and exit points. You also want to ensure that you have key and a uh, key and lock program and then ample signage, right? Sometimes um, what we've noticed is that visitors access the sites inadvertently. Simply uh, having a lot of signage around can indicate and tell lay people who kind of stumble upon an area that they are in a uh, area that they should not be in. And therefore, the security signage really helps. And then again, of course, depending on from an internal perspective, obviously working critically closely with your HR directors to ensure personnel are properly screened, have the appropriate background checks. And more and more recently, uh, you've seen things coming out, both of DHS and DOE, on uh, starting insider threat programs, even if you don't already have them. So, and there's lots of resources out there for that, right? There's resources on the DHS website um, as well. For those of you that are, uh, for those utilities that are members of EPRI, there was a, there's work EPRI has done as well. And then, and then last but not least, um, as I said, right, the first, the first step in this um, guard. So some sort of security patrol and working very closely with local law enforcement so they understand your site, you have a good relationship with them um, so that they can understand what's critical to the utility and why. And then that way, God forbid the bell does ring, they are ready to respond um, at a moment's notice. So now you mentioned the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Energy, so that's a, a nice segue in terms of my next question for you, which is wanted to, to know if you could uh, expand um, for our listeners uh, on APPA's role in terms of interacting with the federal government and industry partners to address physical grid security. Sure. So we are a member of the Electric Subsector Coordinating Council, which is the principal liaison 
between the federal government, the agencies that I just mentioned, as well as a slew of others, um, obviously the White House, CISA, FEMA, all the all the three-letter agencies as well, FBI. And in those ESCC meetings, um, it is a collaboration of CEOs throughout the sector um, and that we sit side by side with the IOUs and members of NRECA to liaise with the, with the federal government to understand the evolving threats, the evolving risks, and to open up the dialogue to ensure that as the federal government is creating or instituting or contemplating uh, risk management plans, protocols, procedures, that they are risk-informed uh, by the members of the sector as well as um, as well as APPA. So it's a partnership, it's a collaboration. It works very effectively. It's been in place for a number of years now uh, because as you as we often say, uh, compliance, as I mentioned earlier, like SIP 14 is just the baseline, but really we want to ensure partnership and collaboration uh, across the sector when responding to these types of physical threats and risks. What is SIP 14 for people who may not be familiar with that? Oh, sorry, sorry, I apologize. SIP okay. 14 is under the NERC regulations, the NERC standards. It's the standard um, that was a result of a major physical security attack that happened a few years ago. If you all remember, as I'm sure uh, many people do, back in April of 2013, there was an attacker who shot for over 19 minutes and shot at you know, 17 different electrical transformers that powered Silicon Valley. And the result of that was millions of dollars in damage and severed 911 communications and the like. So SIP-14, that, that incident, by the way, is called Metcalf. Um, as a result of that FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission ordered NERC within 90 days to develop a physical security standard to enhance security measures for the for BPS, the bulk power system. So um, that standard is still in place today. And that's what I was referencing for when I was mentioning NERC SIP 14. Thanks for that expanding on that. Um, so just in terms of what APPA offers um, to its members uh, in the area of physical security, and perhaps you could also briefly discuss cybersecurity as well. Obviously, that's another big piece in terms of overall security. But just to get started, could you talk about resources on the physical security side of things? Sure. APPA has a guide, the APPA Physical Security Resource Guide. It's about a 40-page guide that's available in and on the website as well as through the store and is a guide that goes through and explains um, some of the statistics, what some of the best practices are. It even has, for example, I started the conversation today or we started our conversation this morning talking about using a risk-based approach. It even has a quick little checklist if you don't have a risk management uh, team within your organization that you can utilize to kind of conduct that that risk assessment. And then it goes through and provides some best practices, some of which we've discussed today. But there's, you know, there's even more contained in there. So that is a, a primary offering that we have for physical security. We also partner side by side with the EISAC and the MSISAC. For, for those of you that don't know, the electric um, ISAC is a primary means by which we as a sector disseminate risk-informed incidents that occur, uh, threat-informed incidents that, that occur. So if you're listening and you're not a member of the EISAC or the MSISAC, I would greatly encourage you to do so. And then last but not least, we have a number of different listservs here at APPA. So when 
unfortunately, things happen. Um, we utilize the listservs to quickly disseminate information uh, across the sector on threats or risks that are imposed um, or being imposed uh, by the grid and, and then various resource guides that are being promulgated again out of DOE or DHS. But Paul, you also asked about cybersecurity. So cybersecurity is, uh, yes, it is. Um, we often talk about cybersecurity. It goes hand in hand with physical security. And we offer a number of resources. Again, we have um, a number of cooperative agreements with DOE on cybersecurity. To just speak briefly on those, both of those grants or both of those cooperative agreements are looking at OT or operational technology sensors and how to detect anomalous behavior, behavior that doesn't seem correct in light of whatever baseline is for your utility within your operating environment. So we saw recently earlier uh, this week or earlier this year, the Colonial Pipeline incident. That Colonial Pipeline incident was an IT threat and Colonial took the steps of shutting down their OT or their operational technology in order to protect uh, that, that system. The grants we're working on currently are somewhat similar in that we are trying to deploy OT sensing equipment to ensure that the grid can remain robust, reliable, and resilient should something or should a threat be detected. Beyond that, we do similarly have a number of other resource guides where we have been standing up and are looking for additional members to join the CDC, the Cyber Defense Consortium. So if that's something you're interested in, please do so. I mentioned we do have a cybersecurity listserv. Um, so again, stay tuned for that. And then, you know, again, on our advocacy front, we are readily often and repeatedly engaging with um, the agencies as well as the Hill to try to streamline some of the um, reporting requirements that are currently being imposed um, should incidents occur. So um, we're trying to battle across all fronts, whether that's threat and information sharing with the EI SAC, whether it's OT sensor deployment with DOE, standing up the defense consortium to uh, utilize best practices and share best practices across the industry or, uh, you know, lobby, lobbying and advocacy on the Hill to ensure that regulation makes sense and can, and can be streamlined. You know, APPA is certainly uh, hitting the ground running as it, as it's, as it uh, relates to cyber. One uh, follow-up question that comes to mind as it relates to what, what we would define as smaller utilities, you know, I, I think sometimes the smaller utilities may feel constrained in terms of our resources or staff even, but it sounds like, you know, kind of looking at our conversation in totality, that there are plenty of things that smaller utilities can do in the area of, of grid security as it relates to physical threats in particular, right? Absolutely. For example, um, the EISAC has an offering um, wherein they will come to your utility for free and conduct a physical assessment risk workshop for five days. Um, the only thing the utilities have to provide is uh, food. So there definitely are resources out there for all sizes, Paul, um, and we're happy uh, here at APPA to facilitate and make those connections should, should assistance be needed. All right, terrific. Well, Adrian, it's been a very illuminating conversation. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Public Power Now. 
We're encouraging listeners of Public Power Now to take a few minutes to complete APPA's new reader survey, which seeks feedback on this podcast, as well as other APPA news offerings. Go to publicpower.org slash reader survey. I'm Paul Schimpoli, and we'll be back soon with more from the world of public power.